it's just wonderful. It's wonderful to know what we can do in the name of Jesus. And today we're going to talk about some of those things again. But before we do, if you have a cell phone, <laughs> if you do have one, please put it on silent or turn it off. You know, we, we have those kind of interruptions in the church pretty regular, you know, because I just happen to think now about mine, and I just turned mine off uh, just a few minutes ago. I was standing there because I was 30 minutes into the preaching yesterday morning. Uh, in Longview when the cell phone went off and I thought it had such a strange sound to it and I thought that's a cell phone whose is it it was mine <laughs> it was in my pocket going off <laughs> Cheryl probably said honey that's yours <laughs> oh, okay I reached it got sure that it was mine <laughs> oh my goodness gracious so do we have any testimonies in it? Oh, my goodness. Woo, my, woo, glory to God. This is going to be a good one. This girl jumped up. She's got something great. Well, last week, y'all remember praying for that Muslim client? Well, he got came into the kingdom of God. I wanted to thank hey, you. Hey, glory to God. Yes. It was um, a one-hour massage that lasted about two and a half hours. But um, it was just all God. I prayed and I asked the Lord just to put into my mouth the things I needed to tell him and the Lord wouldn't let me read anything about salvation or anything but during the day as I prayed all day long for that evening appointment the Lord said you need to start in the book of Genesis and teach him about the fall of man and about Adam and I told him that as well as about Jesus my own testimony and how the devil tried to steal my prayer language for 10 years he allowed me to speak in tongues, and I ended up singing to him as well at the end as the Spirit led. And for the last 30 minutes after he got dressed, I showed him about four different Bibles to choose from what he wanted to read out of. And he chose the parallel Bible with the King James and the Amplified, which was my favorite. But, And I taught him how to use the concordance, and I wrote down the things that he needed to get at the family Christian store. I invited him to church. I invited him here. He is out of town. I called him this morning at 9.30 as I was going into a ladies' class at my other church and talked with him for a while. He said that he had talked to a friend of his who was a priest and told him about his change, and that priest was rejoicing with him. Um, many seeds had been planted in his life before I came along, but the way that I prayed is, Lord, give me the ones that the fruit is ready to just to pick off the vine, because <laughs> that's the ones I can handle. And so, you know, I do not take the credit for this, but I just wanted to thank everyone that God just absolutely did it. And he did buy his materials, and I told him to rent the book, the movie, The Gospel of John, while he could rent it anywhere if he had a DVD player in his motel room or whatever. So he's wanting to take it slow. He doesn't necessarily want to go to church yet. He doesn't know yet where he wants to go. And I said, well, there's whatever church you decide to go to, I hope you will go to a spirit-filled church so it won't be dry. And he says, well, I will talk to you about it before I decide where I'm going. So that's a good thing. And hopefully Praise I'll see Lord. him in the middle of next week. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory. Wow. What a testimony. My goodness gracious. Praise the Lord. We pray for a guy on Sunday to get saved the next week. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. I had a new client come in yesterday. She just called me off one of my websites and 
wanted to come in and she was telling me that her kidneys had been hurting for weeks and she was describing all the pain and at first I was telling her all the natural things to do as far as herbs and food that would heal it and then I looked at her and I said, are you a Christian? She looked kind of startled. She and her daughter were sitting in my reception area and she said, yes. And I said, well, let me just pray for you. And I went over and put my hands behind her back and prayed for her and then I went in the other room to see a client and when I came back about 30 minutes later, she said, guess what? She said, all my pain is gone. The burning's gone. She said, I feel awesome. <laughs> I said, praise God. And then I pulled out a few of Thurman's tapes to give her. But Sharon and I pray every morning that God will just send us people that we can minister to during the day and pray for. And it's like every day God's just sending these awesome people in to get prayed for. So it's real exciting. I call her every night and go, Sharon, guess what? Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wow. Come up here, Miss Lori, and tell us what you got to tell us. Well, we had a great week. Brietta is much, much stronger this week. She's holding her head up and just improving in every way. And we just thank you for your prayers and praise God. Well, you're here right now. One more time. Let's come to the throne of grace for this little lady, Father, in the name of Jesus. We're so grateful that you're our king, the king of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. And, Lord, you answer our prayers. Now, Lord, in faith, we're coming to the throne of grace to ask you to move mightily on little Brietta and just continue to restore her little lungs, let her breathe perfect. And, Lord, not only just her lungs, but make everything in that little girl supernatural. We don't, we're children of the King, Lord. We don't want nothing to be normal no more. You're so great and awesome and can do such great things. We want her to be a supernatural little girl in everything, in intelligence and beauty and strength and everything. And, Lord, may you use her mightily to bring glory and honor to your kingdom. And we praise you and thank you for what you've done this last week and what you're going to do in the weeks ahead. And, Lord, we praise you and thank you that you're our God and that your answer is always yes and amen to us, your children. So we praise you, Father, for hearing this prayer and answering it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise our King. Glory to God. Anybody else? we got another one. My goodness, Deborah, come up here. Goodness gracious, praise the King. What has the Lord done in your life, young lady? Well, I have one of those confessions that you make whenever you forget that you're supposed to go to the Father for everything. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I had run from my house to the 7-Eleven to get some cash for the lawn guys because I'd forgotten they were coming. And lately my car has been very unpredictable. So when I got back in the car to start it, it was deader than a doornail. And I had run out of the house with not my cell phone, not my phone book, nothing. And I was, like, stranded. And I was trying to get a phone book and trying to make all these calls. Couldn't find the numbers I needed. It was just horrible. I thought, you might, okay, fine. I'm just going to go back, and I'm going to ask God to start this car for me. (laughs) It's like, why didn't I think of that to begin with? So I go back, and I do it, and sure enough, it starts, and I make it home. (laughs) What what happens when you ask the Lord? (laughs) Oh, goodness. How many of us are guilty of doing those kind of things on a regular basis? Man, I'm telling you, every one of us, we go out and when everything falls flat, the king's sitting there saying, you know, I'd help you if you'd ask. You know, I'd help you if you'd ask. And we're here, we're walking and doing everything, and he's saying, ask and you shall receive. And then it comes down to the point where we're totally stranded or we've like the 
lady on the ship, when the captain comes running down, the, knocking on all the doors and said, Everybody, come out and pray. And this lady said, You mean it's come to that? <laughs> yeah, sometimes it comes to that, doesn't it, Michael? Every once in a while, it comes to that. Well, let me tell you what. Just like Deborah said, we ought to do that regularly up front first because we remember in Matthew 7, the king told us, he said we are to pray daily for the Lord to meet all of our needs, keep us free from the evil one every day. Because when you don't pray, then that door is open and that beast, I mean, he loves it when he can attack you. I mean, he loves attacking us as children of God. But there's something that you and I must get a hold of. We're in a battle on this earth. Amen. You know, we're in a battle. And the battle's going to, it's going to continue every day of your life. It's never going to stop. He is very persistent. So you must learn that. Now then, do we have any other testimonies? Okay, we got little Michelle, we got her, we'll give her first choice here. She's got one. Well, we were, we were at the adoptive head yesterday. And the one dog wasn't getting adopted, Sonic, the free-legged dog that I found. And I got her and five others adopted out. Wow. Within a matter of 25 minutes. Amen. Praise the Lord. That little girl, their love for the pets. Did you have one? Yeah. Praise the Lord. God has given Michelle the desire and love for little animals. But God says Christian people love animals. So, praise the Lord. We came back from a church in Longview yesterday, and then I had to sing last night at a corporate retirement party for New York Life. It was out in a ranch, and so we it was a three-hour job, and we played straight through. And then I asked them, did they want us to keep playing? They said yes, so we kept playing. And then at the end of it, he said, well, how much more do I owe you? And I said, well, whatever you want to pay us. It's okay, you know, because we've worked several times for this man. And he ended up giving us $750 extra for that last hour. Wow. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Okay. So you think you think that I'd be praising and thanking God for everything. Well, I did all the way home. So I, when I get home, uh, we had Caitlin over the weekend. We'd gone to Longview, and we, she was with us. It was great. I, uh, on Friday, a lady got healed of MS. Another lady walked out of a wheelchair. Uh, yes. Yes, she did. She, in fact, she pushed the wheelchair out of there. And uh, so it was, a, it was a really great meeting and everything, and everybody got to see Caitlin. She had a good time. So, okay, last night when I get there after all of this, and I'm laying there, and I can't sleep, and I'm tossing and turning and everything. <laughs> he says, and, oh, by the way, too, you remember two weeks ago I kind of grumbled and complained up in Omaha about boxes of all things. And anyway, that was really stupid, and, you know, I got attacked in my throat. So, okay, I was over that. I sang great last night. So he, he says, um, why can't you sleep? I said, well, I have all this stuff to do tonight. I have Mimi today. I have, you know, to pack. I have Because we leave tomorrow again for six days for Baltimore. I said, I've got to pack. I've got to do the uh, the computer work. I've got to do the, the banking records. I got. I just started naming all this stuff I had to do. And I thought to myself, here's this grumbling again. <laughs> you should have said that's what I was doing. I just was saying why I couldn't sleep. I woke up this morning, and my throat was fire engine hot. And I was like, Lord. And I had Christy's car, so we had to drop that by on the way. And I talked to him all the way there. I said, what did I do? I mean, between 1 and 4 in the morning, what did I do? You know? I mean, I, I didn't think I did anything. You know? And then finally, of course, he revealed to me what I did. And I, I was like, 
But all I was doing is like, <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you talk to God and you go, but, but I really didn't mean, I wasn't really grumbling about what you have me doing. <laughs> like, oh my. You know, when, when y'all see these little stains around her mouth from now on when I put the duct tape around her, you know, when she comes home and goes to bed at night, you'll know why. <laughs> so she don't wake up sick in the morning. Praise the Lord. You know how easy it is to grumble and complain? It's too easy, isn't it? It's, it's something we get caught up in, and the Lord, He is He is amazing, and He is it never ceases to amaze me how easy it is to get into grumbling and complaining. But you know, even when you're around people of faith, like out at our ministry center, my lands, we got some people of faith out there, you know, and they walk in it, and they they walk in the anointing, and we see prayers answered, and they're all on fire for Jesus, and it's just amazing what we get to see out there. So, anybody else have a testimony? Are we all through now? Praise the Lord. Don't leave nobody out. We got another one here. Oh, go. Come on up here. Goodness gracious. Give God the glory. I mean, this is all about the king. You know, if he done something wonderful for you, young lady, tell him what he did. Praise the Lord. Absolutely. Oh, I just want to thank the Lord because uh, last week, uh, Janet and I, where's she there, um, prayed regarding my car because the service engine light came on. And the next day it was off, and it's been off ever since. So I thank the Lord that he fixed my car. Amen. And then in the middle of the week, I was driving home from a class, and I stopped, you know, to look, turn, look both ways, you know, before going on the service road. And I was about to pull on, and there was this car coming. So I stopped, and the guy behind me ran into my back. So we pulled into a parking lot. I looked at my back of my vehicle. It's like... Oh, it looks fine. There's just this little white spot, you know. I look at his, and the whole front on one side is dented in, and the the hood's, like, moved over, and I'm thinking, oh, my. So later I said, I said, would you like me to pray for you? And I find out he's a Christian, and he's not tithing, so I was able to witness him about Malachi 3, 8 through 12 and telling him about how God says you're cursed with the curse when you don't bring the full tithe into his store, into his kingdom. But if you do, he'll open up the windows of heaven over you and pour in an abundant blessing, and he'll rebuke the devourer. And I thank him that he rebuked the devourer off of my car, that service engine light, and off the back when he ran into it. So praise the Lord. He will protect you when you do what he says, won't he? Praise the Lord. That's a great testimony. Sharon, you got one? Praise the Lord. I want to praise God and thank him for all of you here today, too. Uh, me and the pastor and many others in here have been praying for my brother. And uh, I have seen so many things, beautiful things that the Lord has been doing. But I've also seen where the devil's been constantly taking me through struggles with it, and my brother's been struggling with it as well. And I hadn't seen this before, except for, you know, I've heard different testimonies of different people. But... I've seen how the devil is being weakened in him. And over the times with uh, praying for me and the pastor and many of you out there and uh, taking him through deliverance and all of those things. And I forgot to tell you, brother, actually this morning when I went in there, he had vomited. And I realized that is giving up a demon as well. I didn't realize that until now, after I got here. So I thank you all for your prayers, 
before too long, he's going to be in here with us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come in, brother. Praise the Lord. Okay, are we through now? Okay, if we are, okay, I'll put this up and we'll start on something. <clears throat> I'm gonna, I have something up here today. I know that a lot of y'all have heard me tell my testimony about how I stood on the Word of God whenever that brown recluse spider bit me on the elbow back last year. Some of you have heard that. But you, you didn't see it and you wasn't there and you didn't know what I experienced, so you just hear me tell it. I'm going to show you. I have a, I'm going to leave this up here. And I'd like for you to see this. I know you can't see this very well from there, but this is what a brown recluse spider looks like. You know, they're not very big, you know, but they are a little brown spider. And then there is some pictures in here of what happens to a person. Now, mine, this one here is a picture in three days. This guy got bit on the thumb of his hand. And in three days, his was only really red. But in three days, mine was hard and stiff. You know, so it made a big difference. But I was standing on the Word, and of course, uh, on day uh, six, he's got a great big terrible spot there that I know you can't see that where you are very well anyway, but I'll leave it up where you can get a, a close view of it. But then at day nine, you know, the whole top of his thumb is just all rotten, you know, and then day 10, I have a big picture of what his thumb looked like at day 10. You know, so I'm going to leave this up here. Now then, like I've told, uh, I'll lay it over here. And I want anybody that wants to look at it, you can look at it. It'll be right there. And if you would like a copy of that, we can send you a copy of the email. I have all those pictures in there so we can forward that to you if you'd like to actually have that. But what I'm trying to tell you is, as Christians, it's extremely important that we learn what it means to have dominion and power over the enemy on this earth. Because, see, here's a, here's a man that got bit by a messenger from the devil. Now, spiders were not poisonous until the fall. You know, nothing was dangerous. Everything God put on this earth was good, and everything, nothing harmed nothing else until the fall. When the fall, when Satan became the god of this world, that's when all this devastation began to come upon this earth. That's when snakes became poisonous. You know, that's when spiders became poisonous. You know, that's when a lot of things that comes to kill you and destroy you. And the thing about it is, we as Christians have not understood our dominion and our power of what our king did for us 2,000 years ago. Now, I mean, I was a normal Christian. I went to church, and I thought going to church was just something you just do. I mean, I love Jesus. You know, I accept him as my Lord and Savior. But I had no idea on this earth the power that he gave me to walk in once I became his child. You know, but when I begin to read this book in detail, I begin to see that. And that's how, just like that little lady sure was talking to you about, this little girl had not walked for six months. Her daddy was there with her. And how long? Eight months. Oh, eight months. Okay. She hadn't walked in eight months. She had had surgery. And she had been down in his wheelchair all this time. So Saturday we prayed for her after the teaching. And then I told a couple of people there. I said, you know, let's just get a couple of you guys here and just help her get up and get out of that chair and walk. 
And so after prayer, you got to act. You know, so they did. They helped her, and she stood right up, and she walked around. And the more she walked, the stronger she got. And then when it was over, she's pushing her wheelchair home. Instead of riding in it, she's pushing it home. You know, so the Lord has given us great and awesome dominion and power. You know, so when you learn to walk in obedience to God's Word, that's a secret. You've got to walk in obedience to His Word. And when you walk in obedience to His Word and do what He says... You have been given dominion over the enemy on this earth. Now, if you're walking in sin, you know, forget it. You know, you can't do it. Because, I mean, just think. The, the demons, like that story that I talked to this man that got to see into the spirit world. And this story he tells me was so awesome. Of course, it confirms what the scripture says. He said the Lord allowed him to see into the spirit world, and the Lord took him to a hospital. Two angels took him to a hospital, and there was demons everywhere in this hospital. I mean, they were just everywhere. And he said there was a man and a woman, whenever the, these angels brought him into a certain room, and said they, this man and woman were talking, evidently telling a joke or something, and, and said the, they were laughing and said, they couldn't see me. He said, I could see them perfect. I mean, it's just like I'm right here, and here they are. But they can't see me. And he was in the invisible realm of the second heaven. See, the third heaven, which is what we're in right now, we can see each other. Well, the second heaven encompasses this same space that we're in, but you can't see into it unless God opens your eyes. In other words, the Lord... The angels, they can transfer right through this thing. They can step from here right into there. You can see an angel right now, and he can step to a veil, and you can't see him. You know? And so this is the way it is. And so these angels that was with this man had took him to this hospital, and he's in this room. He can see everything, hear everything, and he can talk to the angels, but nobody can hear or see him. So he said he's watching them talk, and all of a sudden he says, while they're talking and looking at each other, there is a green-like frog-looking thing starts coming up out of the floor. And it's growing. And he asked the angel, said, what is that? He said, that's a demon of lust. He said, why is it growing? He said, because the enemy is working on his mind, putting thoughts in his mind about this woman. And as he yields to these thoughts, he's allowing the enemy to grow. See, when you yield to the devil, you allow the enemy to grow. When you don't yield, that's why the Lord told us in His Word to capture every thought. Every thought. And if it does not line up with the Word, cast down even the imaginations of that thought. Don't meditate on it. Because if you meditate on those thoughts, what you're doing, you're giving the enemy the ability to get bigger in your life. Now, as this enemy said was getting bigger and bigger and bigger... He said, I'm just sitting there watching this scene, and this thing keeps getting closer and closer and closer to this man's face. And he said, all of a sudden, whoosh, and he's gone. He went right in his mouth. And he said, I said, what happened? He said, well, he continued to give place to this demon of lust. This demon was working on his mind, and he was yielding to it and meditating on this woman and that demon got bigger and bigger, and as it did, it finally got big enough to overpower him, and the demon entered him. He said, now then, he has a demon of lust, and the demon's in him. 
So he said, now then, every time he sees a woman, that demon will manifest in his mind and begin to put thoughts in his mind about doing something bad to that woman. And said, every time he yields to that, there will be another one more powerful come in. And finally, it'll come to the point to where he can't control himself. Now, see, I had an experience with a young man that was just ready. This young man, I used to try to talk to this young man about Jesus. No, he didn't want nothing to do with Jesus. I mean, I'd talk to him. I, every time I'd run into him, I'd want to talk to him about Jesus. No, 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 Thurman. He said, you're a religious fanatic. I don't want to talk to you. Well, one night I met this man at, on a Saturday night, and he was fixing to go home from work and happened to be where he was. And I walked up there, and I talked to him, and I said, how are you doing, brother? And he said, I'm not doing very good at all. I said, what's wrong? He said, well, you look extremely tired. He said, yeah, I'm working two jobs. I'm working two jobs, but he said, I'm just wore out, and I'm fixing to go home. I said, brother, come over here and sit down. Let's talk a little bit. He said, no, I, I don't have time, Thurman. I've got to go home. I said, I want to talk to you tonight about Jesus. He said, I really don't have time to talk about that. And he started to turn and walk off. And I knew my dominion over these beasts. So I just pointed my finger at him and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get yourself in here and sit down in that chair. And he turned and he came over there and he sat down in that chair. I said, now then, tell me what your problem is. I want to know. I know you don't believe in Jesus. Well, what's bothering you? He said, Thurman, I'm probably going to prison. I said, for what? He said, I don't know what it is that's wrong with me. I don't understand myself. He said, I've got young daughters of my own. But he said, every time I see a girl that's 12 to 15 years old, all of a sudden I begin to pursue that girl. And he said, I'll do everything I can until I rape that girl. He said, I hate myself. He said, I don't want to do what I do. But he said, I can't keep from it. I said, you got a demon. He said, I got a what? I said, you got a herd of demons living in you, of demons that are called demons of lust. I said, now, I want you to tell the Lord you're sorry for what you've done. I said, first thing I want to do, I want to lead you into the kingdom of God, and I want to get you saved. And I took authority over those spirits of hell that are blinding his mind, and I did exactly what you did, like we did last week. I took authority over those demons of hell. I commanded them not to manifest, not to blind his mind. And then I asked the Heavenly Father in Jesus' name to convict him of sin and bring him into the kingdom. So, we brought the boy into the kingdom. And when I, when I brought the boy into the kingdom and got him saved, now then, he has been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of light. Now then, as we go on from there, the next thing I tell him, I said, you know, now then that you've been taken out of the kingdom of hell and you've been translated into the kingdom of light, you've become a new creature. I said, now then, I want you to repent for what you've done and I ask the Lord to forgive you and that's going to take away all of the authority of the devil in your life and then I'm going to cast these demons of hell out of you in the name of Jesus. He said, Thurman, I ain't never heard nothing like this. I said, you just do what I tell you. And I rebuked those devils of lust. I commanded them beasts to come out of him. 
and to go to the pit of hell, and I bound them into the pit of hell. I loosed them, loosed him from them beasts, just like Jesus did, and bound them into the pit of hell forever, to never come back and torment him again in the name of our king. I said, now then, you're free. I guarantee it. The king has delivered you. I said, now you can go. You're a new creature, and you won't have those desires, and you won't never do that to another young woman ever again in the name of Jesus. Well, he went out from there, and a few months, maybe two or three months later, from the things he had been caught at doing, he was going to have to take a test. This is the most, this is the grossest test I've ever heard of. Some of you may know about this. I didn't know they did people like this. Well, what they were going to do, the state was going to give him a test to see if he could control himself or not. And if he couldn't, he was going to prison. And the test was flashing different pictures and parts of nude women before his eyes to see what he could, how he would respond. You ever heard of a test like that? Most people never have. You've got to be some kind of a man in control for anybody to flash pictures and especially gross pictures of women's parts in front of you to see how you're going to respond. If you don't respond some way, you're really in control of your flesh. You know that? You can take a good man. And start flashing pornography in front of him. And if he's not, if he don't get rid of that stuff pretty quick, in a little while that devil's going to start working on his mind from them pictures. You've got to really be a man of God. But anyway, when he came in and told me about this test, and they were going to check him to see how he responded. They were hook all kinds of stuff up to him. I told him, I said, the God I serve, nothing's impossible with him. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith for you, and I'm going to make... I'm going to ask the king to make you totally dead to everything you see. Every time they flash something in front of you, it's going to be a black wall. And you're going to see nothing, either that or light. But you're not going to see anything that even represents a woman or any body part of a woman. I said, when you see that, you'll have no feelings whatsoever and you'll pass your test 100%. He went and took the test. He came to see me the next day. He said they were amazed. I had absolutely zero feelings to every picture they flashed in front of me. So he said, I'm not going to prison. And I'm going to tell you, when you get a hold of the God we serve and what he can do, you'll learn that just like Juanita did, stand up out there and rebuke the devil. Just like this young lady did when she came up here and we prayed over and rebuked that devil over that Muslim last week. When you learn who you are and the power you've got as a child of God, you'll learn that he didn't cut you short of nothing. All you've got to do is believe the king. Now, most people that I know of are like I was most of my life, or like Deborah said, you know, she said, I had to repent because I got in all kinds of trouble because I didn't do everything in prayer first. Is that right, Deborah? How easy is it for us to fall into that trap, girl? Too easy, isn't it? It's far too easy. But see, we need to stay aware of who the king is and what he is able and capable of doing. And when you really learn what he can do, 
you'll learn that you can pray in faith. And I don't care. I mean, that's just like Ray sitting back there on the back when Ray had that stroke. Most people would not believe that a man could have a stroke and go to a doctor and the doctor confirm you have a stroke on one whole side of your body and he virtually can't do anything. And I can tell him if he'll repent of all his sins and take the Word of God and go home and him and his wife work together and continually talk and quote the Word of God that in a matter of weeks or months or whatever, that if he'll do that, I'll guarantee him he'll fully recover from that stroke. And today, he's fully recovered from that stroke. See, now you, if you believe God's Word... And do what he said. Nothing's impossible, is it, Steve? Absolutely nothing. So, we're going to talk about some of these things today. We're going to, I've got an outline here I've made. I want to talk about some of these things. Of course, in Ephesians 6, in Ephesians 6, 12, Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you and thank you that you're the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. Lord, as we read this word, let us get a picture of who you really are, who we serve, and who the enemy is, this beast. Thank you, Father, for revealing these things to us as we study your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. When you get a hold of who God is, and you see him in his magnificent glory, once you see the king, once you get this picture in your spirit of who you and I serve, the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the God of gods, once this becomes a revelation to you who he is, the next time you see the devil and him trying to come against you, you'll just say, oh, it's just you. You know, you won't have no fear of the devil no more. You know, when that big beast comes in and says, I'm going to kill you, or he puts something on you, oh, you'll just say, it's just you, you beast. In the name of my King Jesus, I command you to leave. And you're going to find out when you do that in faith, the devil's going to leave. You're going to find out what you can do in the name of Jesus. Now then, Paul told us in Ephesians 6, 12, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Yes, ma'am. Those are levels of beings. Just like in the military, you take in the military, you got the buck private, and you got sergeants, you know, you got whatever. Then you got officers, you know, second officer, second lieutenant, and first, and captains, and colonels, and right up the line. This is what these things are. These, and Paul only lists four levels of these for us. I believe with all my heart there is many more levels than just four. I think these four levels are broken up into many other levels. I believe with all my heart there is a specialized demon for everything. In other words, a demon of lust is one particular kind of demon. That's spirit. A spirit of anger is another one. You know, all the different kinds of spirits, and as the Lord, everything, everything is spirits. I mean, we are ruled by spirits, either God's spirits or the devil's spirits. Our flesh works 
and is ruled by spirits. Now, if you're ruled by God's spirit, you're in good shape. But if you're ruled by the devil and his spirits, you're in trouble. You're in real trouble. So, what you have to do is learn who this enemy is and how he works. See, this, since Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but most of us do on this earth wrestle with people. We think that people are our enemy. People are not your enemy. Everybody that's made is made in the image of God. They're supposed to be, everybody's supposed to be a Christian. That's what God wants. He wants everybody to be his children. But unfortunately, because of the fall, when we first come into this earth as a baby, all of us are children of the devil. The devil is our father when we come into this world. We don't want to acknowledge that, but he is. Every one of us. When somebody says, well, well I've always been saved. I was raised in a Christian home, and my mother and daddy were Christians, so I'm saved. No, 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 that's not true. There is no grandchildren in the kingdom, only children. So every one of us have to be adopted as children into the kingdom. And that's why mothers and fathers need to pray for their children, need to rebuke the devil over their children. So you want your children to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, if you just let them go, I, I visited in the home one night of a man trying to win him to Christ and talking to him, and he had a little 10-year-old son, and he was there listening, and he said, well, I, I, Brother Thurman, I'd like to do that. And his daddy said, oh, son, you don't have any idea what you're talking about. You Wait till you get big enough, you'll know what you're doing. And I told him, I said, sir, that boy 10 years old, he's plenty big enough to know what he's doing. You know, he's 10 years old. I mean, I've seen children come to know Christ at four. In fact, I heard Dr. James Dawson say one time, somebody asked him how old he was when he came to Christ. That's what he said. I was four. That's how, that's how old my son was when he came to Christ. Four. My daughter was six. How could they come to know Jesus at that age? Well, they've been taught it from day one. In fact, uh, the last night I talked at, for an hour and a half to a man on the telephone. <clears throat> he was a Catholic he lives up in the Northeast. He would got a hold of our teaching the last year, year and a half. And he told me, he said, nobody teaches the Bible like you do. He said, you have so inspired me to read this book. He said, now then that I'm reading it, and he said, I'm learning. He said, I just got to tell you what happened just this last week. I said, what happened? He said, well, Thursday, obviously he's a contractor or something. He said, Thursday, everything we tried to do, the inspector was mean. I mean, he was upset. He was, I mean, there was nothing we could do right. And so he said he really hindered us getting anything done. Said when he finally left, I called all the guys over together. And I said, guys, come over here and take your hats off. We're going to pray. This is a Catholic man. So he said, I prayed and rebuked the enemy over that man and asked the Lord to move on his heart and soften his heart so we could get something done because we're children of God. And said, I thanked him for doing it. I told the guys, okay, I said, tomorrow's going to be a better day. He said, Thurman, Friday that guy came in and everything was approved. He said he was the easy guy to get along with. He said, time of the day was over. Everybody was saying, Chief, next time we got a problem, we come into you to pray for the guy. <laughs> See, prayer changes things, doesn't it, Elvin? Hey, how much power and authority, what are we fighting against, people or the enemy? The enemy, the devil. You know, now what most people want to do is say, that lousy inspector, let me just take him behind the building and I'll get him. That's what we, that's what we think, isn't it? As human beings, flesh and blood, 
We want to attack the person. The person is not the problem. The devil is a problem. Because the Lord tells us, Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, he said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. So there's many different stratas of these beasts. And every one of these particular areas probably has many others in it. So you've got to be aware that there is no shortage of demons. There's plenty of them. And they're out there to get you. And if you don't understand and learn who these things are, I guarantee you they will take you down prematurely in your life. They will. It's so easy for the devil today to draw people away from the Word of God and to get them to believing the things of the world. I mean, the average person, what do you think? I just ask y'all. What do you think the average person spends, how much time in a week does the average person spend watching television? 30 minutes? 4 hours? 8 hours? 16 hours? 20 hours? Ooh. Okay, so now if you're watching that stuff, I mean 10, 20, 30, 40 hours, and there's nothing good, and everything's pulling you down, unless you happen to be watching Christian television, you know, now there is some good Christian television out there. Some of it's good. Not all of it, but some's good. I mean, you know, some teach you the wrong stuff. You know, but uh, it's amazing what is there. You find Christians that don't know what faith is either. And they really don't. Because I was a Christian for many years and I didn't know what it was. You know, I didn't know. I can't teach you something I don't know. So when you start learning these things... But if you're, if you're feeding yourself with 10, 20, 30, 40 hours a week of television and you're not reading the Word of God at all except going to church on Sunday and getting a 30-minute or a one-hour sermon, you're not going to overcome the devil. He's going to get you. Now, if you're spending one hour a week watching television and 40 hours a week studying God's Word, you're going to be a giant. You're going to be a spiritual giant. The devil is not going to have a chance in your life. You know, he's not going to have a chance. I mean, when you go places and you speak and when you pray in the name of the king, he's going to show up for you and do awesome, mighty signs and miracles and wonders. Anybody that spends that kind of time with God, I can assure you, he's going to be powerful in your life. And when you pray and speak in his name, you're going to see mighty things happen. And you won't have any down days. You won't have no down days. I mean, you'll be jumping up and down praising God. You know, now then... The Lord tells us in verse 13 there, since we uh, uh, fight against these devils, He said, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Okay, I was with a, a lady the other day talking to her about the Jesus, and she said, Well, Mr. Scrivener, I know I'm safe because I get up every morning, and the first thing I do when I get up, I put on the full armor of God. 
I said, ma'am, you're in trouble. She said, what do you mean? I said, if you take it off at night, you're in big trouble. You don't go to bed and strip your armor off. You go to bed with your armor. Well, people don't understand that we're talking about spiritual things here. We're not talking about wearing a big giant helmet to bed. You know, uh, you know, might not sleep too good, Nancy, with a big giant steel helmet on your head, right? But we're talking about spiritual things here and what the Lord is talking about when He says, and put on the full armor of God. Then He says, having your loins girt about with truth. How do you gird your loins about with truth? You tell the truth. You walk in truth. See, these are spiritual laws that we're talking about. If you're walking in truth, you're telling the truth, you're not telling even a tiny little white lie, you have your loins girt about with truth. You've studied the Word of God, it's in you. Now then, if you go out there and you tell a lie, you've got a crack in your armor. And I guarantee a devil will shoot an arrow through that crack. So don't lie. The Lord tells us we as Christians are not supposed to lie. Not even a little bitty white lie. You know, you tell the truth. Somebody said, well, what am I going to do? If my wife comes up and asks me a question, I don't want to give her the answer. Just declare the fifth. You know, <laughs> you say, I, I, I refuse to answer that because it might, I might be incriminated. So I'm not going to just answer. So if you don't answer it, then you can't, Keith, you can't get in trouble if you don't answer. But I don't know, you and me, we probably get in trouble if we don't answer. <laughs> Shelly's over there shaking her head. Yes, he will. Oh, goodness gracious. When these girls come to us, they want an answer. But you know, the thing about it is, you've got to tell them the truth. You have to tell the truth. And if you tell the truth, your loins will be girded about with truth. And you put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now then, if you don't know that, according to the Word of God, you, by what Jesus done on the cross, have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, so therefore... You only way you can take that off, if I ask you, are you the righteousness of God in Christ? You say, well, I was, but now then sometimes I have little doubts of whether I am or not. Hey, you need to realize you are the righteousness of God in Christ 24-7 because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. Now, if you know you're the righteousness of God in Christ, then you have the shield of, that shield of faith there all the time or the breastplate of righteousness, you have the breastplate of righteousness on you, and that breastplate is covering your heart, and that devil cannot shoot a fiery dart at you. Now, he'll shoot them, but they can't go in you. They'll bounce off. Oh, the devil will always be shooting stuff at you. So make sure that you're walking, that you know you're the righteousness of God in Christ. And he says, "...in your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace." You know, as long as you're walking in peace, you got them shoes on, right, Sharon? You got the shoes on. You know, now sometimes it's not easy to walk in peace. I mean, you can get out of peace anywhere. You can get out of peace in church. You can get out of peace at home. You know, somebody says something wrong or whatever. Uh, you know, everything may be going great. You may be walking in that peace and everything. And all of a sudden, somebody walk up and say something to you, and man, you step right out of them shoes. <laughs> you all laughing like y'all know what I'm talking about. We've all been there, huh? 
Well, when that devil tries to jerk you out of them shoes, don't get out of them. You know, don't get out of peace. Stay there. You know, I mean, I remember one time a guy come into my office. And he walked up to me and said, Thurman, I believe if somebody walked in here and reached up and grabbed you by the collar and knocked you right in the mouth and knocked you over in your chair backward and you were sitting there on your own blood, you'd get up and say, hey, brother, let's talk about this. I, I, said, I said, I would. I ain't going to get up and retaliate. I said, I've lived all these years and I have never hit a human being in my life. Not one time have I ever hit a man with my fist. I, never, I, I, mean, I don't want to get out of peace. Because if I step out of peace, what do I do? I open the door to the devil. When that beast comes in, he don't play fair. He doesn't play fair. He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. So, you don't want to go there. So, and then it says, above all, take the shield of faith. I mean, now that's this great big giant thing. It goes from above your head, and it's in front of you all the way to the ground. And you got your arm stuck through this thing, and this is going to quench every fiery dart of the devil he shoots at you. Now, if you got that shield of faith, that means you got the word hidden in your heart. The shield of faith, you've studied the word, you've got it there, and when the devil tries to attack you with something, you take the word of God and you come against this beast with the word. Or if he, just like that story I told you a while ago, when this, this gentleman told me the story, he got to see this. Literally see this. God showed him this demon that inherited, come in and went inside this man. That possessed this man with a demon of lust. Hey, when that devil starts shooting him fiery darts into your brain, that you look at someone, man or woman. You can be a man or woman and get a spirit of lust. You know, I mean, I've had women. I mean, somebody said, no, women would never do that. Let me, I've had women come and sit down with me and say, I look at a certain man and I, I want to go to bed with him. You know, they said, it just, it's there. Something about, I just, I can't contain myself. And I, hey, what is that? It's a spirit of lust that you've allowed to come into you. And you have to take authority over that devil and cast it out. You have to capture every thought and cast those thoughts out. And if you don't, we give place to the devil, and he comes right into our mind. And you don't want to open that avenue for him to come in, because the beast does not play fair. I mean, he will hurt you. He will kill you. I mean, that's what he come to do, and he loves it. Then it says, Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So this literal beast, the devil, is literally firing Fiery darts at you and me on a daily basis. I mean, who would ever dream? I mean, that's the one time I had, I had a situation one time a long time ago where I had a problem with a person with a back. Now, I mean, God has given me some kind of special anointing for backs. I mean, it's like when I pray for somebody with a back, problem, I don't care what it is. I know they're going to be healed. I just know it. You know, and it's just like carpal tunnel. When I speak to that demon of carpal tunnel, I know he's a putty tap and he's out of there. You know, I mean, that's the way I see it. You know, I mean, he's a pushover. You know, it's like he's a little demon there sitting there trembling, saying, oh, don't cast me out. I say, get out of there in the name of Jesus. And I've seen it happen over and over and over. And, you know, and when you get to where you see that, your faith is big like a giant. Somebody says, Corporal Tunnel, let me at them. Where are they at? You know, I mean, I'm serious. You know, that when, and just like praying for backs, you know, 
And for those of you that Elton was up at a meeting the other day after I prayed for Dr. Gary Young, and the Lord completely, instantly healed that back. He was up there at a meeting where he is having, and he talked in great detail. Were you in Toronto, Canada? Yeah, and he was had he talked about business. He said about the first thirty minutes or something, and then for the next what two hours, two hours talking about his miraculous healing, and showing pictures and everything, and the thing that's so astounding about it when they done the X-rays or the sonograms or whatever they do to take the pictures, the disc that was pulverized in his back is still not there. It's gone. You can't see it. But yet, when the doctor checked me, they said, Gary, you've got to be in excruciating pain. He said, no, I don't hurt at all. They said, don't move, don't bend over. You can't stay together. There ain't nothing holding your back up. He said, look, you know, he's totally normal. He can jump up and down and do everything. You talk about a miraculous God that we serve. I mean, he can not only put an invisible disc in that man's back, but he can fix it where when they come back and do the chest test on it, the disc that was pulverized, it appears it's not there, but he can do everything anybody can do with all the disc in his back. There's a gap. I mean, Eldon said he saw it with his own eyes. Like, was you there with him too, Nancy? Both of them were there. They both saw that testimony and the space in his back where a disc is supposed to be, it's not there. Nothing is holding the upper part of the back to the lower part, but yet the man's totally normal. Is God awesome? He can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can think or imagine. And there is no telling what kind of glory he'll get out of that because there's no telling how many thousands of people Dr. Gary Young will tell about what Jesus did for him. There's no telling. But that's why he does these things. He does them to glorify himself. I mean, the world could look at that and see a man, the doctors look at that and say, Gary, you can't walk. You've got to be in pain. No, I'm not in pain. I can do anything. It, it, it doesn't make sense. But there again, you can't go by what you see. You've got to go by the Word. And, of course, that's what he's doing. He's going by the Word. We take the shield of faith and we're able to quench all those fiery darts because when that devil shoots in fiery darts in you, there may be times when you have pain or something in your body. You may have to, by faith, reach up and grab the dart and pull it out by faith. You know, by faith, I, I give my ministry team an example of what faith is the other day. I said, you know, if the bird flu comes to America, which everybody says it's coming, and if it does cause the devastation that he says it's going to, and if it does kill the millions that they say it's going to, I said, one thing about it, it will not come to the Living Savior Ministries. We're going to walk in faith. We have no fear of the bird flu. And they said, well, what about if there's no trucks running and there's no food can get around everything? I said, that's when we really learn to walk by faith. They said, what do you mean? I said, well, we come in at mealtime. We go in and we prepare a meal in pots and pans with no food and no water. And then we dip it out and put it in the plate. And then we sat down and we eat by faith. And then we praise the Lord and thank Him for what He said on our plate. And I said, one of two things will happen. Will we dip everything out and praise Him for the food and tell Him we're sitting at His table because He says that He will bless us and we will never go without bread. The King made us that promise. His obedient children. I said, when we think either the food will materialize on the plate... And it'll be there, 
and the water and the drinks and everything will be there, and then we'll eat it and drink it, or it will not materialize, and if it does not materialize, we still eat it and drink it as if it's really there, and when we get through, we're going to be full. I said, that's walking by faith. Somebody said, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Let me tell you. Cheryl and I, technically, when we went on our 18-day fast, I mean, I've heard people, there's a couple come here here a while back and said they listened to my teachings on fasting, and her and her husband said, we're going to fast. So they went home, and, and of course, he's a great big old heavy-duty boy, you know. And she said, we started, we got up that morning and no breakfast. By lunch, he was dying. She said, I was a little hungry, too. But she said, by dinner time that night, he said, that's it. I can't make it. I got to eat. And so she said, we ate. And so she said, how do you do it? I said, well, did you ask the Lord to help you? Did you ask him to take away your hunger pains? No. I said, well, see, that's the first place you messed up. You tried to do it in your own flesh. And I said, you know... If you try to do it in your own flesh, all you got to do is miss one meal. You know, sometimes you eat breakfast, and before lunch you're so hungry you can't hardly stand it. Some of you all know what I mean. We've all been there, every one of us. I said, so you ask the Lord to take away your hunger pains. About two or three weeks later, they're from Houston, and they came by here. He's a truck driver, and they come ever through two or three, four or five weeks, whenever a trip comes through here. So they was here that Sunday, and a few weeks later they were here again. And she came up after the service and said, you know, we did what you said. We'd done a three-day fast, and neither one of us had a single hunger pain. Isn't that amazing? That God will help you. But, Deborah, if you don't ask, <laughs> Deborah's a perfect example today. And she gave us an example of what happens when you don't pray. I mean, how easy is it? Hey, I'm a big girl. I can do it by myself today. I don't need you, God. He said, oh, yeah. I told you, you forgot to tell us that part. Hey. <laughs> The thing about it is, that's kind of the way we think, isn't it? I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm the same way. You know, I get up in the morning. Used to, I get up in the morning. And think, I don't even think about God. You know, I'm a man. I can go do this by myself. I know how to do what I'm going to do today, Steve. I don't need no help. But little do I know how much help I need every day, right? But he says, okay, if you don't need no help, we'll let you do it by yourself today. And in a little while, you find out. Lord, I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble. I've got to have some help. And so that's just like one time I look over there at Keith. He being an airline pilot, he'll understand this real good. One day I took off in my little Mooney down in the valley, and it was just a beautiful day. I went up to eight or 10,000, whatever it was, and I was coming up, and I was going to fly about an hour, and I didn't have enough fuel to come all the way home, but there was an airport uh, way out in the middle of nowhere out there in a little town that had fuel so I thought, I'll stop there. All of a sudden, I looked under me, and it began to just, from everywhere, the, the clouds just began to materialize under me. And it closed in under me completely. And I'm not on an IFR flight plan. You know, I am flying in VFR, in a VFR airplane, because it, it was not IFR equipped back in those. It had a, a few instruments in it, but not what I needed to fly IFR. So I fly along there for a little while, and as far as I can see in every direction, there's clouds. You know, now, it's really not safe to go down through those things. You know, if none of you have flown, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about, but it's not safe to let down through a cloud because once you start in a cloud, you don't know who else might be in that cloud. And you might accidentally run into somebody there. Well, I was way off in the country, away from nowhere. I thought, it's time to pray. 
it's time to pray, right, Keith? Time to pray. So I said, Father, in the name of Jesus. I had a man with me, too, that was my dad's friend. And he was going to go back to Goldsway with me because he'd come down there with my dad. And I was going back early. So he was there with me. And he said, uh, Thurman, how are we going to find this airport? I said, well, I have prayed. And when we get over the airport, there's going to be a great big hole in the clouds where we can see through it. Now, see, that's faith talking. I'm checking my instruments. I, I do have enough instruments, so I got my radials and everything, and I'm getting closer and closer and closer. And all of a sudden, now I'm only—I start letting down, and I come down, you know, where I'm only about a thousand feet above the tops of the clouds. And I'm thinking maybe I can see through it. And I'm approaching, and of course, as I'm going, all of a sudden, I just come up on a place that there's about a one-mile hole right there, and I fly right over that cloud. And when I do, there's the airport right down below. So I said, thank you, Lord. So I made a couple of turns, come right down through that thing, landed, filled my airplane up with gas. Hmm. I thought, well, that big old hole's still up there, so no problem. I'll come back up, flew right back up through that hole. <laughs> Went back up and got on top, flew about another hour, and all of a sudden I flew right off the top of something. I'd prayed, and it was just clear as a bell. You know, so I'm telling you, prayer works. You need to learn to pray about everything. I don't care what it is, if it's leaving home to go down to the store or whatever it is, we as Christians should learn to pray for God's protection every day. And if you pray for His protection every day, which I don't do that either, but I know I need to, we won't never have a situation like this brown recluse spider bite one of us. See, I didn't pray for protection that day. And I, when I turned, I thought, you know, I'm a big boy. I can handle it today. I'm just going to go out and work on a tractor. I know how to work on a tractor. But laying underneath that thing, here comes that spider, and he runs up and jumps on my arm. I'm laying down on right down on the ground, working on a tractor, out there in the dark, you know, or it's dark in the barn and everything else, light shining in the door. And that spider comes running across there, jumps up, and bats me right on the elbow. Now, that's a brown recluse spider. I had an aunt that had one jump up on her leg right here and bit her on the leg, and she spent six weeks in the hospital and three surgeries later with a huge hole cut out of her leg, and skin graft before she got out. She stayed in the hospital six weeks. Of course, I went down there to see her while she was there in Brownwood in the hospital, and I told her, I said, Amy, she, of course, a great Baptist Christian woman. Loved God with all her heart. I said, Amy, you need to learn how to walk by faith. You need to learn to come against that beast. She said, Thurman, I am a woman of faith. I know these doctors are going to take care of me. Well, that's where her faith was, in the doctors. She didn't have faith in Jesus. But she was in the hospital six weeks with three surgeries. I didn't go to the hospital in one week. I didn't even have a mark on my arm. Now, the first three days, I'm telling you, I didn't go by what I saw. Because if I went by what I saw, I mean I was in trouble. Because at the end of the first day, now, the third day, his thumbs only swelled up pretty good. But I'm telling you, at the end of the first day, my whole lower part of my arm was a half inch bigger all the way around. And the second day when I woke up, my arm was swelled from my wrist to my shoulder, a half inch bigger, all the way around, just soft and puffy. And when I woke up, my mom looked at that. The very first thing happened, the devil says, you're going to lose that arm. Isn't he a wonderful little critter to deal with? You're going to lose that arm. Isn't he wonderful? No, he's not very wonderful, is he? But the next day was Saturday. And I was going to go drive my truck and haul some gravel, and my right arm was stiff. 
I could hardly bend it. You know, in fact, when I wouldn't need to bend it, I'd reach over and get it like this and pull it up like this to put it up on top of the steering wheel where I could drive. It was stiff. I said, Lord, I'm sure glad I'm a man of faith. I'm sure glad I don't go by what I see. I'm sure glad that no deadly poison will hurt me. I'm sure glad all your promises are yes and amen all the time. I am grateful, Lord, that I'm serving you and not that devil. Because he sent that spider to bite me. So I thank you, Lord, that my arm's healed. I'm going to thank you that I don't have a scar or a mark. My arm's healed. But that afternoon when I did get back from all in that gravel, I did come back here and I got Dave back there. I pulled up in front of his house and I said, Dave, you got one of them little uh, kits where you cut a, something open? And he, he's got a van out there. I ain't never asked him for nothing he didn't have in that van. I don't care what it is. He's got it. He said, yeah, I think so. He went out there in a few minutes, come back with a little surgical kit. And he done surgery on my arm. He cut a hole in it right there. And he squeezed blood and stuff out of there. Just all kinds of stuff come out of there. You know, put a towel under it, you know, so wouldn't you just, I mean, squeeze my arm. I cut a great big old quarter each hole and dug down in their quarter deep and just mashed that stuff out of me. And, you know, and then by a couple of days later, I had one big old yellow core left right in the middle. And I, one morning I woke up and I said, you devil of hell, I'm squeezing the rest of you out. I said, you coming out of there, and I'm squeezed my arm until that big old yellow core come out of there. When I finally got to where I could get a hold of it, I know most of you ladies said, don't you dare touch any of your fingernails. Well, let me tell you, I'm immune to that kind of stuff. I walk by faith. I reached up my fingernails, and I grabbed that thing like hooks, and I pulled that big long plug out of there, and I threw it in the trash. I said, now, you devil of hell, it's over in the name of Jesus. I'm healed. Amen. Well, two days later, I didn't even have a mark on my arm. Healed up, and you can't even tell where that beast bit me. Now, when you look at that, you're going to see what happens to a human being when they don't know how to walk by faith. So if, if something like this bites you, you better know these promises. Because if you don't, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against, against principalities and powers. And I'm going to tell you that brown recluse spider has a special demon of hell in him so that when he bites you, when you look at that picture close, you'll see the whole top of that man's hand is rotted off. You can see down in it. That's exactly what happened to my aunt's leg. Same thing. A brown recluse spider is no fun. He comes from the enemy, the devil. And you better know how to walk by faith. And, and the time's coming. You've got to know these things if you're going to make it. I mean, it's going to get so bad in the future. Things are going to happen. You're going to have to know who our enemy is and the enemy is not going to be flesh and blood. It's going to be principalities and powers and invisible rulers of darkness that's going to attack us in so many ways that if you don't know how to walk by faith, you're not going to be able to make it. You will wind up going home to be with Jesus prematurely. You know, so if you get to graduate and go home, that's okay. You know, but if you're not ready and if God's not through with you, then that's not good. He wants you to do what He has planned for you here. And if you will study His Word, then you'll find out. It's a piece of cake. God has given us all the power. Now then, after He tells us there to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Hey, we prayed for that guy last week. I mean, we saw God move, didn't we, young lady? Woo! Isn't that wonderful? You kick a devil out of a Muslim, and you get him saved. I mean, you kick a devil out of somebody and get him healed. You know, we, can, we do all kinds of things in the name of Jesus. 
Now then, the Lord tells us what weapons we're to use against the devil. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, he tells us what we use and what kind of weapons we use to overcome the devil. Now, see, we want to fight with guns and knives and bombs and stuff like that. And when I see somewhere in church where they say, come to our church, we have a, a karate class. We'll teach you how to be a karate expert in church. I mean, we should never have to work. We should never be involved with karate in church. That's not something you do in church. Jesus never had a karate class. You know? If you want to go out on your own and learn how to do karate, hey, you can do whatever you want to, but you better, better be careful. Because that martial arts stuff comes from the Middle East, you know, or the Far East, and I guarantee you can get a demon messing with that stuff. You literally can get a demon messing with martial arts. So, you know, the best thing to do is just stay in the Word. Read the Word. I mean, the Word says bodily exercise profits a little. Now, I'll tell you, it's good to take care of your flesh. It's good to eat right, good to exercise right, and to keep this thing in good shape so you can run and play and enjoy living. Because I'm going to tell you, you know, there's a lot of people do it, you know, but if you were to sit around and not exercise and just all you did was eat fatty foods and stuff, and you got up to where you weighed three, four, five hundred pounds, you know it's not going to be long. You're going to have joint problems, hip problems, and everything else because of your excessive weight. So don't go there. You know, I think about that man. Some of you may have saw this. I saw a newspaper uh, deal one day, and, and there was taking a guy out of a window in Chicago, and he weighed a thousand pounds. It was taking him down through a piano hole. Had you see that, Michael? You saw that too. They were told what this man eat. I mean, you know, he was in this humongous bed in this apartment in Chicago. hadn't been out for years. They told somebody fed him three dozen eggs for breakfast. You know, four loaves of bread. I mean, I couldn't believe when I, I thought, golly, that's a month's groceries for me. And I thought, well, one thing about it, if that guy was in my house, he wouldn't have to worry about eating like that. Because I wouldn't feed him like that. I, if he couldn't get out of that bed and go to the table, I guarantee I'd put him on a forced diet. I'd put him on a diet. I ain't going to take it and feed it to him and put it there because you're killing him. You're killing that man. You know. So if, if you eat like that, you are killing your flesh. You know, you need to take care of this body. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You need to exercise and eat right. In fact, the other day I was watching John Hagen. He's got a man on there, or I did have just recently, and this guy was so big. I forgot what he said he weighed, 500 pounds or something, 600 pounds or whatever it was. And he said the guy couldn't go anywhere in an airplane because there wasn't a seat big enough for him to sit in. Had to have a special car. And then John got with him and... One of John's doctors got with him, and they began to talk to him, and he slowly began to exercise and put on the right kind of diets, and now he's down to like 290 or something. And he's a whole lot smaller than he was, and now then he's going to keep on going until he gets down to about 200. Well, you know, that's where you should be if you're a man. You know, six foot tall, you should be 170 to 200 pounds, somewhere in that neighborhood. If you're a woman, you know, you need to be smaller than that, you know, because, you know, that's average, you know. So, But if you eat wrong and exercise and don't exercise, 
where it says bodily exercise profits a little. Now, I will say it does profit a little. You need to go out and exercise and everything else. And if you do that, I know Steve, he gets up every morning, or pretty well every morning. He goes out and runs before daylight, don't you, see? Most of the time or a lot of times? Yeah. Okay. okay. But he goes out and runs. He takes care of his body, and he exercises. But if you exercise and take care of your body, that's that little bit of exercise profits a little, it says, but it says spiritual exercise profits much. Isn't that amazing? What does it mean to spiritually exercise? Hey, get in the Word. Read the Word. Study the Word. You know, last night I, I didn't know where to study last night. I just, I got in the Word of God. I was so many places for hours. I, I, I was reading in Jeremiah. I was reading in Ezekiel. I, I was all over the place. Then I was reading all over the New Testament. I thought, Lord, I've read so many places. I don't know what I'm going to teach on tomorrow. You know, there's so much good stuff in there. You know, you don't know what. To, and the thing about it is you have to read it over and over and over. I know one of the things that Steve has just, he just come alive. He'll take the Word of God. He may take a verse and just sit there and read it word by word. Lord, what are you saying? Right? And he read, and then he'll call me. Hey, turn to this Scripture. I, mean, I just got a revelation here. And he will. But he didn't get it first time he read it, did you, Steve? I mean, he's spending time in God's Word. And when he's spending time in the Word, the spirit of revelation comes upon him. See, God says in his Word, to them that diligently seek me. You know what that means, to diligently seek him? Hey, it don't mean study 15 minutes on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon when you come to church, does it? It means to spend time with God on a regular basis. So when you get the Word out and start studying it and reading it and really diligently getting in it, then the Lord will give you these revelations. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, so it's for, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds. Well, what are these things? He said, Cast down imaginations. In every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity some of your thoughts. How many of your thoughts? Every thought. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Well, what does it mean? What is the obedience of Christ? What did Christ say to do? Walk in truth? Yeah, the word. Walk in truth. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't go out and get drunk. You know, don't get, be involved in witchcraft. All the things the Lord tells you not to do, if the devil begins to put those thoughts in your mind, the world. Oh, the, one of the places the, world, the devil gets us Christians in the world. He gets me. He'll do this to me. But you remember, you've got to do this. You've got to build this building, so you've got to have the tractor running. You know, so, and you know, you've got to do this on the tractor. So it's going to take you... Four hours or six hours or eight hours to fix a tractor. You can f go out and get the tractor fixed. Then you can do something. Okay, so you go out and work on the tractor for six or eight hours. And you do get it fixed. And then you come in and say, I'm going to study the Word. He said, but you ain't read your emails yet. Oh, that's right. I guess I better read my emails. So one o'clock in the morning, I'm reading, still reading emails. I get a bunch of them i got a lot of people protecting me out there now that are reading them for me. They're helping me. They really are. 
They're really taking a lot of the stuff off that people send me. People send me lots of stuff. I guess some people think all I got to do is read emails. Because, <laughs> man, some of y'all send me some stuff. I don't have time to read it all by a long shot. I barely have time to read the things that I have to read. And those that are good praise reports, the girls and guys try to get those through to me so I can see them. But it's not uncommon for me to spend two, three, four hours reading emails. And then by that time, it's 1 o'clock in the morning, and I thought, okay, I got all that done. I got the emails cleared out. Now I'll study the Word. And the devil says, but it's 1 o'clock in the morning. Aren't you so tired? I hadn't even thought about time. And all of a sudden, it is 1 o'clock in the morning. I said, okay, I'll just read it an hour. And so I may just read 30 minutes or an hour. And then here the other morning, I called Ty at about 3.50 in the morning, I think. (laughs) I called him. He said, boy, you're up early this morning. I said, I ain't been to bed yet. See, that's his time to get up. See, I know he gets up to study the Word about 3.30, 3 o'clock, somewhere along in there. So I knew I was safe calling him at that time of night. And, of course, when I called him, he answered right off. He said, boy, you're up early this morning. I said, not normal. I said, no, no, I ain't been to bed yet. I'm still up. So, is that right, Ty? Me and him are on different ends of the spectrum. In fact, he told me when he walked in a while ago, he said, my wife didn't make it today. He said, we was ministering to a family last night, and we didn't get through till after 2 o'clock this morning. I said, welcome to the crowd. That's what happens when you get in the ministry. He said, I don't receive that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> he don't like to stay up late at night or early in the morning. He likes to go to bed about 9 o'clock and get up at 3 or 4, you know, so he can get that 6 or 7 hours of sleep. But I told him, when you go with me, you're going to be up late. So he practiced a couple nights last week, so sure enough. <laughs> I mean, it's true, isn't it? Every time we go out, you know, we go out and we teach the Word till 9 or 10 o'clock, pray for people till 11 or 12, and then we go out and eat and talk about the Word till 1 or 2 in the morning. And then we go to the hotel, you know. And then the next morning, you know, whenever, especially when we have a 10 o'clock teaching like we did in Longview, you know, uh, you get up and get ready to go. And, of course, you know, his Cheryl, she's still home in bed, I guess. Well, if I'm not careful, I have to drag my Cheryl out, too. You know, because, oh, is it time to get up already? I say, yeah, woman, get up out of that bed. I have to reach her and drag her by the arm. Get her, oh, let me sleep just five more minutes. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> she's not quite that bad. I'm just kidding a little. <laughs> but she don't get as much sleep as she needs when we go out of town. I mean, and she knows that. But that's the way it is when you get into ministry. But these weapons that we have to fight against the devil with is casting down thoughts that comes to our mind. You know, and there's so many of them that the devil will put in our pathway to get us involved in doing something else. I just like a guy here a while back, I led a man to Jesus and I told him about the word and how important it was and how he needed to go home and start reading it. I said, now when you go home and start reading it, I said, the enemy will be there. He said, what do you mean? I said, the enemy will put you to sleep. He said, I mean, I get off at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'll read when I get home. I'm on fire when I get home. I said, that's okay. The devil can still put you to sleep at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, or he'll put, I said, do you watch TV? Oh, yeah, I got some favorite TV programs. I said, oh, every time you sit down to read, he'll say, but remember, your favorite TV program's coming up five minutes now. So you, you watch, you can read after your program. 
I said, you'll have to overcome all those thoughts. A few days later, he came come back in to see me and said, you know, I would have never believed what you told me was the truth. I just couldn't fathom that. But he said, I went home that evening, had dinner with my wife at 4 o'clock when I got off. She has dinner ready for me when I get home. We sat and she said, I'm, he said, I'm going to go and read the Bible this afternoon. And he said, I went in there and sat down in the chair, and I didn't get a paragraph read till. And I thought, 4.30 in the afternoon and I'm asleep. I don't never go to sleep till midnight. He said, I slapped myself in the face and went and got a drink of ice water and come back, sat down there, and I read about a half a page and crash. He said, I got up and I'm walking around. My wife comes and said, what are you doing? He said, there's got to be something extremely important in this book. She said, how do you know? He said, well, Thurman told me anytime I come to something important, the devil would put me to sleep. And said, since I started reading, that's all I can do is go to sleep in the middle of the day. So he said, I may have to walk, but I'm going to read what this got to say. And so he was walking around reading it. This is the battle you and I are fighting with the devil. Any of y'all ever had this? You know what I'm talking about? If If you're having trouble going to sleep at night... Just get the Word of God out and lay down on the pillow and get it in front of you. I guarantee you'll be asleep in two minutes. You know that? Sit down in the chair and just set the Bible in your lap and say, Okay, devil, I'm going to read the Bible. And you start reading and crash. You know, don't you, young lady? You've had that trouble too, right? Guarantee we've all had that trouble. Or he'll put those thoughts in your mind. You know, you need to go do this or you need to watch your TV. You haven't washed your clothes. You haven't cooked dinner yet. You know, or you got to get ready for work tomorrow. He'll do anything he can to keep you out of that book. And that's why our weapons are not carnal, not swords and bombs and things, but they're spiritual weapons. We have to learn to capture every one of those thoughts, every one of them, and make ever obedient line up with the Word of God. I mean, you know, there's things... I mean, when I was a young man, <clears throat> some of the boys that went out and drink a lot, smoke a lot, I, that wasn't no temptation to me. First time I smelled one of them cigarettes, I think, woo, let me out of this car. I don't even want to breathe that stuff. You know? Oh, come on, Thurman, you'll get used to it. I said, anything smells that bad? I don't want to get used to it. You know? And they handed me a beer one day. They said, try one of these. I said, what is this? He said, it's beer. I said, I've never seen that in the store. He said, well, you can't buy it here in town. You've got to go down to wherever, a place where they sell it. And I opened up. Ooh, it smells bad. He said, taste it. So I took a little sip, and I put the lid. I said, you give this back. He said, come on, you'll get over it. I just keep I said, anything that tastes that bad, forget it. I don't want to get used to it. It was real easy for me to overcome that. But smoking and drinking was not something that it was not easy for the devil. He didn't have, there was no way he could get to me. But there's some people that like that stuff. Some people, it's like a Dr. Pepper. Ooh, I do like them. You know, when I tasted a Dr. Pepper, they're hard on your body too. Every time Cheryl wants one, I drink one with her. I drank one yesterday on the way back from Longview. I went up and told the pastor, I said, well, I'm going to sin with my wife on the way back home this afternoon. I'm going to drink a Dr. Pepper with her. He said, it might not be sin to drink that. I said, now, come on. What's in that? You know what's in that. You know it ain't good for this body. And he said, well, you're right. It's really not good for the body. So I said, I'm going to tell you like I heard Smith Wigglesworth say to a man one time. 
he walked into a home and they set before him pork. And they asked him to bless the meal. And he said, Father, if you can bless this pig that you cursed, then bless it to our bodies in the name of Jesus. So I said, I'm going to pray with this doctor forever. Lord, if you could bless this thing, it's so hard on my body. Bless it in the name of Jesus. Lord, don't do no damage to my flesh. Because it sure does taste good, Lord. I sure do like it. Some of y'all know what I mean, right? You've got things you like, and it's hard to overcome those, isn't it? Sure. But we don't drink very many of them anymore. But I technically know I should not drink any of them, because I know they're hard on my flesh. But... Capturing every thought and bringing every thought into obedience or to the commands of Jesus is not going to be an easy chore. Because you've got two enemies. You've got the flesh and you've got the devil. And with those two, you've got two strikes against you to start off with. So, but you can do it. You can overcome it. You know, to walk holy in obedience. I remember when A.A. A. Allen asked God... He said, Lord, why is it there's no power in my ministry? And he sought God and prayed and fasted for days, many times, and never got his answer. And then one day he'd been praying and fasting, and his wife cooked some stew or soup or something, and he smelt that, and he said, I can't stand it. He opened the door and went out of his prayer closet and sat down and dipped him a big bowl full of that, and he put that in there, and he put one bite in his mouth, and the Lord spoke to him. First time he'd ever heard God's voice. He said, is that soup worth more to you than hearing my voice? He said, no, Lord. He spit it out, put it back. He went back and got in that prayer closet. He said, I have no idea how long I stayed in there. But I stayed in there. I said, Lord, I ain't coming out till you talk to me and tell me why there's no power in my ministry. And the Lord spoke to him. And he told him about, a, I think it was 13 things that was wrong with him. He said, two of them were personal sins I was doing, and I didn't even tell my wife about them. He said, I didn't think nobody in the world knew those two little personal sins. But he said, God knew what they were. And he told me. And so he said, I had to repent of those. And he said, the Lord told me, he said, as you overcome and master these 13 things, you'll see my power begin to manifest in your ministry. Now, most people are not willing to pay the price to get on your face in a prayer closet and pray and fast until God speaks to you and tells you why you're not walking where He wants you to walk. you got an enemy, two of them, the devil and the flesh. And both of them want to do what the flesh and the devil wants instead of what God wants. But to pray and fast, I'm telling you, that's tough. But he did it. And when he finally got his answer, he said, I started, I made that list. And I started down the list, and I started checking them things off. And he said, the further I got down that list, he said, the greater God began to release His power. The greater answer to prayer I began to see. And he said, the last two things, which he didn't say what they were. I read his book. But he said, the last two things, the devil and my flesh made it nearly impossible for you to master. He said, it took years to master those last two. And every time I'd get close, he said, that devil would talk to me and say, you ain't never going to master that. I'm going to see to it that you don't never master that. But he said, devil, I'm going to show you I am going to master it. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to do it. And he said, I finally did it. And when he finally mastered it, from that day forth, when he mastered them last two, he said, I heard the Lord whisper in my ear, 
He said, Lord, I have mastered these last two things. And he said, when I said that, the Lord says, Behold, I give unto you power. And he said, From that day forth, whatever I prayed for, it happened. And some of you may have seen some of the things that happened to A.A. Allen and some of the places he went. I have seen, I have videotapes and seen videotapes where six or eight people in a row would walk up to him totally stone deaf in both ears. And he'd reach up and rebuke the devil and they'd be instantly healed and instantly could hear perfect. And then after that, six or eight or ten totally blind people. And he'd walk up and lay his hands on them, rebuke the devil, and they'd start screaming, I can see perfect in the name of Jesus. How would you like to have a ministry like that? That's where we want to get. That's what's available. You know, but that day he spoke over that little tiny four-year-old boy that had no ears and no eyes. Most people can't even go there. But he had no ears and no eyes and 26 incurable diseases. And he knew who the enemy was and he knew the power he had with God. And he had that woman bring 4,000 people there. Brought that little boy up to him. And this little boy, his arms were all locked and his legs were twisted and locked into his stomach. And he took that little piece of glob of flesh. The devil had just messed up all those four years. He held him up in his arms and held him up before God and said, Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to do a complete miracle and completely heal this boy in the name of Jesus. And immediately, they said, the people that were watching said, the little head that had no ears on it, just an ear, just like it grew on both sides, just like that. And then eyes, whirlpools formed in the middle of his head and two beautiful eyes. And then his arms come loose and his legs come loose. And a little boy that had no eyes, no ears, nothing, had never seen or heard his mother, jumped out of A.A. Allen's arms and ran to the edge of the platform and jumped into a woman's arms and said, Mama, how would you like to see God do something like that? We serve an awesome God. Lord, we praise you and thank you for the awesomeness of who you are. Lord, help all of us to get to a place like this. Help us to learn to capture every thought as we go through life. So, Lord, that we can master all of these things. So we can walk holy in your presence. So we'll get in the Word. Help us, Lord, to fast and pray and seek you. We want to be there, Lord. We want to see you do these mighty things, Lord, because you're an awesome God. Lord, I just want to praise you for a minute. I just want to stop right here and just give you praise and glory because you're the king of the universe. And, Lord, most of us have lived in such unbelief in our life. We can't even believe a story like that. When we hear it, much less have the faith to see it happen. But, Lord, help us that we get past that heart, hardened heart of unbelief. And we get into your word. And we have a soft heart. And we let you put a new heart in us. So that when we speak in your name, we'll speak in such great and awesome faith. We will expect you to do these great and mighty things like this. So the world around us will know that you're God. Lord, a few things like that. That even hit the newspapers in that city that day. And Lord, if we were to have the faith to do a few things like that, raise a few people from the dead. Oh, God. If we just had the kind of faith and we could just have a meeting somewhere and we just said, bring not only your sick and crippled and lame, but bring the dead. And Lord, they bring them. They bring them in caskets. 
And we were to be able to walk over and open the casket and touch them in the name of Jesus. And then people get up out of their well and heal. Lord, the world would have to know that you're the king of kings. God, give us, the, give us that kind of faith. Because, Lord, you're worthy of that. You came and destroyed the forces of darkness. Lord, that you may be glorified. We want to walk in a place of power and authority with you where that the world around us will know beyond a shadow of doubt that we're children of the Most High God. Lord, thank you for what you've done here. Thank you for the people you've healed and, and delivered and set free and, and the needs you've met. And thank you, Lord, for all of these people that come up every week that give testimonies that have prayed the prayer of faith for others and you've done great and wonderful things for them. Lord, we praise you for all of those things. You are such a mighty God. Lord, I praise you and thank you that I can be a pastor in a church where you move and do great things. Thank you, Father. I am so grateful. Lord, I can't even, I can't express to you how much I love you today for the wonderful things I get to see you do and the things you've done for me in my life and all the wonderful things you do. Oh, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful wife you brought to me. I thank you for these wonderful people you brought into the ministry center. I thank you for these wonderful people you bring to this church. I thank you for the faith that you give them. Lord, may you use every one of us mightily in the days ahead. Lord, as we walk holy in obedience to your word, I ask you to give us these revelations, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of knowledge and wisdom and understanding so that we can know you better and deeper. We want to know who you are. We want to see your glory. We want to be like Moses when Moses said, Lord, I want to see your glory. And he told Moses he couldn't handle it. But he let him see his backside as he went by. Well, Lord, we just want to see whatever glory we, you know that we're capable of. Lord, sometimes we think we're ready for something. And we say, Lord, I'm ready for this. And you'll tell us we're not. Because we don't know what's out there. But you do. So, Lord, prepare us to be ready. So that nothing will startle us. Nothing. So you could open the spirit world to us and it wouldn't shock us at all. We would have no fear of what we saw. Whether it would be angels or demons or whatever. We would know that we're children of the Most High God. And we're above all of that. That we're seated with you in the third heaven. And nothing should shock us as children of God. Nothing should scare us. Nothing the devil throws at us should intimidate us. We should know who we are as children of the Most High. Thank you, Father. We worship you for all these miracles you've done. And Lord, we repent for our sins and the sins of others that have no faith. Lord, we know the only thing that separates us from the same things that you did with A.A. A. Allen and many of these other men that have had the privilege to walk with you is we've not paid the price they paid. Because you're no respecter of persons. Help us, Lord, to be willing to pay that price. So we can see you do these great and awesome things that you do. Lord, we worship you and praise you. Thank you. Glory to your holy name. In Jesus' name. Oh, goodness gracious. <clears throat> the day's already gone. Lord, I praise you. I just worship you. 
Lord, I thank you for the wonderful things. I just like the, the wonderful praise report that Lori had a while ago of how much better their life has been this week with Brietta because we all prayed last week. Lord, we're going to believe you that this week it's going to be even better. That this little girl is going to be totally off this oxygen and she's not going to need it. She's going to breathe good and solid. And Lord, not only she, but we ask you to do great and mighty things through everyone that's here today. Lord, increase our faith. Increase our knowledge of the Word. Inspire us to get in the Word and study it and read it. And Lord, as we do study it and read open it to us. Or we'll understand and see these great and awesome things that's in the Word. And then Lord, help us by the power of the Spirit to die to ourselves daily. And let the Holy Spirit live through us. So when we do say things and do things, it's the Spirit of God speaking through us. And that that Spirit will come and great revelation will come. And as we hear your voice and if we move according to your word, you will produce tremendous signs and miracles and wonders like bringing this Muslim man into the kingdom. Well, we want to see all these Muslims come to the kingdom. We want to see every human being saved, not just the Muslims. But everybody else, and Lord, all these people, especially those that are your children, that are sick and afflicted, that are walking in sin, Lord, help us to convey to them they need to get over this sin. They need to stop sinning and walk holy before you so they don't give place to the devil, so no fiery dart can come through their armament and get to them, so they can't be made sick. So it makes no matter what the devil does to us, he cannot kill us, but that we can walk in obedience to your word. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walk through the fire, Lord. If you can protect those three boys walking through that fire, you can protect us from anything that can come. And Lord, help us to have that kind of faith those boys had. They confessed they knew you were well able and you would deliver them through the fire. Lord, let us have that same kind of faith. So anything the devil throws at us, whether it be the bird flu or any other kind of sickness and disease that beast attacks us with, let us realize that we're walking in obedience to your word. We're tithing. We're doing everything. Just like the wonderful testimony about the rear end of the car had a little tiny scratch on the other and was tore all to pieces. One wasn't tithing, one was. Lord, thank you for blessing us when we're obedient and then giving us the privilege to share with other Christians when they're disobedient. And they can see with their own physical, tangible eyes the results of the difference. Thank you, Father. For this group of people. Thank you, Lord, for sending people here that we can train them with your word. That we can see you do great and mighty things. Father, we praise you and thank you because only you're worthy. And we're thankful that we can be your children. And Lord, we ask you to bless us this week and bless everybody we touch this week. And Lord, as we as a minister team go to Baltimore and Randallstown, Maryland, this week for six days of intensive teaching. We ask you, Father, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We ask you to do great and mighty things to the people we'll minister to. We ask you to answer prayers. We ask you to drive out devils. We ask you to show people the truth of the Word of God. And then, Lord, if we fly back next Saturday evening, give us a safe trip back. And then, Lord, prepare us for next Sunday that we may have another great day here. Lord, we thank you and praise you. And may everybody who's going to be involved in this week be blessed. And Lord, watch over us and protect us. And speak through us that we can use 
be used of you for your glory. And Lord, Tuesday night, at the Bible study Tuesday night, I ask you to anoint Dave Rosenfeld as he's going to talk about the book of Job. I believe that's what Dave's going to talk about. Lord, I know he has studied and studied and studied. And I know you're going to anoint him with a great teaching that's going to bless everybody's soul that's going to be here Tuesday night. They're going to be blessed. Because I've been blessed just listening to Dave tell me what he's learned about the book of Job. Lord, he has read that so many times. He has gained such great and awesome knowledge. I know that anybody that's here Tuesday night will be supernaturally blessed as he talks about Job and all of his friends and the things that he's learned. Lord, we thank you for the people you sent to the ministry to help us and the anointing you put on each one of them. May you use us all, every one of us in this room and every one of us, for your glory. And we give you praise and glory and honor. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.